When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. We Chuck don't. Nice, my co-host, right you? here. This is a this is a office hours edition. Yes. of Star Talk. That's right. That's where the, the whole thing is just Q and A with with uh, cosmic queries. That's right. Front to back, front to back, up and down, top to bottom, cosmic queries. Right, let's do this. Yeah. So what do you have? All right. Well, you know we uh, we we get them from everywhere, no matter mm-hmm. where they are. We we normally start with a Patreon patron because we're whores. Because they pay. Yeah, that's right. They pay. That's <laughs> right. You don't get to do this with us. For nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You still get to do it. You just don't have it happen first. That's all. That's right. Okay. Like you're third. You get third. Right. So here we go. This is John. And and if I don't know the answer, I'll just say I don't know the answer. You move on to the next question. I have yet to see that happen. No, I, I might have an answer, even if it's not the answer. I might have something to say. Right. But if I don't know the answer, I'll just say I don't know. Well, sometimes the answer is science doesn't know yet yeah, right that's that that is not right so either i don't know or i know that science doesn't know right those are two different levels those are of two ignorance. different levels right <laughs> yes exactly yeah. which uh which by the way i was telling somebody about uh what? okay you'll have to explain this because i'm not explaining it correctly but all right you were talking about how what we don't know we attribute to god Basically, I'm paraphrasing you, so I'm not saying it correctly. But when we don't know something, we attribute it to God. Then we find out it's science, and we no longer attribute that to God. And then we move up a level, and we're like, well, now we don't know this, so it's God. And then we find that out, and we're like, well, no, that's because of 
this and then it keeps going so that's that was the conversation i was having with my friend i was trying to explain that so the so way you explain it but it didn't quite work you out. get it mostly right so if you look at the history of science and the history of religion okay what you'll find is often as science sort of started figuring out how the world worked right you were more likely to find someone to assert the presence of god where science had yet to tread than where science had tread. Okay. Uh, I'll give you an example. There's a there's a brilliant sort of polymath from uh, three centuries ago. Um, it's uh, uh, Christian Huygens is his name. Christian Huygens. Christian. You got one of those two A's in the Christian. Yes, Christian Huygens. Huygens. Bru- Sounds like a Simpsons character. Huygens. <laughs> Christian Huygens. Huygens. He uh, he wrote a book called Cosmotheros, a brilliant little book, okay. where he imagined life on different planets. Oh. This is back. This is back like late 1600s. This was, this was great. This was a beautiful exercise mm-hmm. in thinking using the little bit of information you have. What can you derive from that knowledge? Okay. And in it, he talks about that that a rock has less God in it than life does. Okay. Okay. And he talks about the orbits of planets, and which Newton had already figured out. Mm-hmm in his publication of Principia, okay? So Newton had already figured that out. Okay. And so so he is not saying that the planets are moving according to God, because right. we already had those answers. Right. In this book, every place he invokes God is where we knew the least about the natural world. That's a very common thing that people have done. It goes, all, it goes back, uh, Ptolemy, Mm-hmm. You know, he bet on the wrong horse, but he, he was a big proponent of the Earth in the center of the universe, the right. heliocentric, I mean, the, the geocentric, geocentric universe. And, you know, what? if you think Earth is in the middle, what is the universe doing to you? You you look up into the sky, and you see planets moving, and then they go backwards. This is where you get the word retrograde from. You think the planet is actually going backwards. Right. That's why they called it retrograde, because you're in the middle. Right. If it's going forward and then backwards, it's going backwards. Right. Right? Because you're in the center of everything. You see it, there it is. Right. And no one really understood this, and neither did he. All right? He had a mathematical system to describe it, but he was still enchanted by it. And so he... uh, In the margin of one of his greatest work, the Almagest, uh, he writes... When I trace at my pleasure the windings to and fro of the heavenly bodies, I no longer touch earth with my feet. I stand in the presence of Zeus himself and take my fill of ambrosia. Wow. He was feeling God. He certainly was. In his in his place of ignorance. He was writing R and B music to God. <laughs> I, I don't mm. know what tone voice he had, if you would have said yeah. he, might, he might have had a pipsqueak voice. I don't know. <laughs> but his his God was there making this happen. Oh, Zeus baby. <laughs> you know I love you, Zeus. <laughs> Barry White singing Zeus. So he appealed to his religion to account for where he had did not yet know. Right. Okay, if you look at, for example, all what was written about people who were having an epileptic fit. Right. Okay. Right. But you go back, and well, it was, that was like, a demonic. It uh, was exactly uh, what you would expect, expect. Right. given anything you read about the devil. This right. would be, of course, in Christianity, not in Judaism, because they don't have a devil in Judaism. Right. So, so in Christianity, it was like this person is possessed, mm-hmm. and so now you now the priests come back when all of Christianity was Catholicism, the priest would come and, and perform an exorcism, mm-hmm. and then the symptoms would subside, and the person would come back to normal, as is the normal course of any 
uh, at most epileptic seizures. Right. So they they have an end. They have an end. Right. 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 So now that we understand it. We can even kind of control it. Yes, and it's you know the, the the uncontrolled firing of your neurosynapses. So you don't see people coming to these. You don't see this being accounted for by being possessed by the devil anymore. No, it's no longer right. It's a medical condition. A medical condition. It's not that, a spiritual condition. It's not a spiritual condition. Right. So so there's the history of this. That's all. Right. And the the philosophers call it the god of the gaps. The god of the gaps. Right. So if God to you lives in places where science has yet to tread and where's and where's really cool skinny jeans <laughs> if that that he got at the gap if that is where <laughs> the gap that was a long way to oh, go man. for that joke i'm you, telling you oh you went I, off oh, the, i walked around the you, block didn't I? you went on oh, the off ramp yes you did the clover oh, leaf sold some oranges <laughs> on the freeway oh just to hit that joke and let me All tell right. you something i am ashamed of myself <laughs> and proud of myself at the same oh, time <laughs> go ahead god of the gaps yeah so god of the gaps so if you um so if god to you right. is this entity that lives where science has yet to tread mm-hmm. then that's that's precarious just understand that right. because as science continues to progress your god must get smaller and smaller yeah your god gets smaller and smaller and so uh now i think deeply religious people that's not how they think of god right but uh if if there are people who are prone to think of god they come up to me and say is dark matter Dark energy, is that the spirit of God? Right. I say, I, I don't know, but if you think that and the day we figure out what, what this is, is, are you still thinking that? That's right. what I'm going to ask him. That's a, that's a, that's a great way right. to put it, yeah. So, yeah, so that's the longer discussion of what it is, the conversation you were having with your friend. Cool. That's all. All right. Well, let's get into it. Here's John Dunhue. Again, this is, uh, this is Star Talk Office Hours. Office, office Hours. hours. Yeah. Here we go. Uh-huh. Um, John Dunhue. Don, Don Donahue says this. Oh God, he says. Uh, God ain't gonna help you pronounce these words. <laughs> just catch you. Just go. <laughs> Don't say oh God because you can't pronounce a name. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help, help, help me, Lord. Oh. <laughs> go practice the damn thing, <laughs> and then come back. <laughs> hey, John, don't blame God. How about preparation? But yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, here we go. All right. Oh, he says, how is there anything at all, speaking of God, mm-hmm, which came first, space or the Big Bang? I got to tell you, that's a Damn good question, man. No, it was space as we know it was birthed in the Big Bang. So the Big Bang started it. It, it birthed all the laws of physics, the existence of matter, the the, the vacuum the energy, the existence of space, which is the nothingness that where the matter exists, in which the matter exists, right. and that nothingness actually has an energy associated, associated with, it. with it. It's called a vacuum energy, right? If you want to get specific about it, so Dude, it's awesome. it's not as empty as Even nothing. It's empty it's of something. matter, but it's not empty of energy. And there's what we call a vacuum energy that permeates all all of space. And that's so, amazing. Yeah, so it's birthed into existence. That's that's right. So, so, so true. Now, you asked what was before the Big yes, Bang? True, I, true. I, I have no idea. There you go. I, I don't know. You can say, well, God. Right. Okay, well, keep some, thinking that until we got this until one figured we find out. Until right. what it is. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going with God. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> You're taking a safe route. I'm taking a safe route. Because <laughs> you know I can't damn you to right. hell. You can't. Right. <laughs> I don't have that power. That's it. <laughs> All you can do is tell me to prepare better and pronounce words. I mean, for, yeah, the names. But it's a famous uh, thing called Pascal's Wager. Did you, you have you ever heard? I don't of this? know Pascal's Wager. But yeah, Pascal, famous Pascal. Okay. Um, he said, uh, "You sh- every every thinking person should be religious." 
Okay, right. this was the, his argument. I'm, I'm going to botch it a little bit. I'll get the, the most of it right. Okay, the argument was, it's better to be religious on the possibility that you're right than to not be religious and then risk the chance of eternal damnation in hell. Hey, guess what? I kind of like what he's saying. There. <laughs> so it's Pascal's wager. It's it's you can you can not you can be not religious, right, and then risk going to hell forever on death right or you can just be religious and if you're wrong if there is no god you're you're good either way and if there is a god then you're good right exactly this is it's called pascal's wager yeah it's the hedge fund of religion (laughs) exactly pascal's wager (laughs) the hedge fund of religion you hedge your bet hedge your bet pascal's wager nice Mm -hmm. hey man that was a great great question and of course a great answer Mm -hmm. okay lisa peering and here's why i'm announced saying her lisa goes like this hey chuck it's pronounced Peering. Oh, 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 she knows. Phonetically, she, she knows. Me hooked me up phonetically. People are phoneticizing and <laughs> helping you out. Chuck Nice, hooked on phonics. <laughs> Chuck Nice got here on the short bus today. He don't know how to pronounce words. So, so let's help him out. People help, so, help, help a brother out. <laughs> so, so, okay, here we go. So, wait, so how, how's her name pronounced? She helped you today? She did peering, as in, as in peer. That's my peer. Peer reviewed. Uh-huh. Ing. Peering. Peering. Nice. Yeah. So she says, if a black hole is pulling in matter from a neighboring star, mm-hmm. does the gravitational well end up as big as both by the time it has pulled in the entire neighbor? Yes. Oh. Plus, she used a nice technical phrase there. A, a gravitational well. well yeah. Yes. So. It's perfectly legitimate to think of it that way. Yeah. So uh, if if I drop you into a well, mm-hmm. it takes energy to get back out of that well. Mm-hmm. All right. And Unless I'm that girl from the ring. What, what was that? That's a horror film where a girl came out the well, and then your TV started like dripping water, and then she'd be in your house, and then you couldn't see her. Her hair was in front of her face. Do you and- actually watch horror movies? No, I'm too scared. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, didn't finish the ring. I don't even know what happens at the end. No, I was jealous because I grew up in the city, uh-huh. and there are always haunted houses, but never haunted apartments. Never. But what? But then I've, there are two movies that have haunted apartments. Okay, we, we got two movies out there. Please tell me. Only two. Go ahead. Okay, Rosemary's Baby. Yes, totally New York apartment. haunted apartment in New York City. Satan lived in that apartment. Totally, yes. And and that apartment building. And is, he ran the co-op board. Way. <laughs> <laughs> Always voted against Always you. Always voted no. against you. So right. that that building is the Dakota, right? Which is where very yes. famous John John Lennon, uh, where John Lennon lived and died across the street from Correct. it. So and if you look at the railing around the Dakota, yeah. There's like a devil-looking creature. Yes, with his gargoyles. It's, it's like gargoyle but, yeah, but it's in the wrought iron yeah. around the base of the building. Sweet. It's very devil. So that's um, that's haunted one. house number one. Right. And you can remember the other one. Mm, let me see. Um, I'll give you five seconds. Medea's boo. Ah, two. No, no. Medea's boo too. I don't think those count for anything <laughs> in any data. <laughs> There's an exclusionary rule. <laughs> Thou shalt not include Medea movies in any movie statistics. Okay. All right, what's the second one? So it was um, uh, the, uh, uh, the guys that that trap ghosts. 
Um, oh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. That's right. The Haunted, the apartment, haunted apartment. Yep. That's right. Sigourney Weaver standing at the portal. Yes. I am the gatekeeper. Yes. I am the key master. <laughs> Ooh, you are so hot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so. So, those are, so I was always jealous, and then I figured, okay, I got my two movies, and we're good. Well, that was a we're delightful digression. Now, why are we talking about haunted because anything? Because if, if you throw somebody oh, in a sorry, well. Sorry, sorry, I'm going to answer See. this. A, there was a question that started. I'm sorry. This. That was a terrible. Right. That was a, I don't care. That so here's what So you're thrown in a well, and you want to get out, it takes energy. If the well gets deeper, it takes more. More energy. More energy right? The deeper the well is, the more energy it takes to climb out. Mm -hmm. It is the same when you are on a planet. All right. The higher is the gravity of the planet, right. the more energy your rocket needs to escape forever. Right. All right. And so it takes less energy to escape the moon than it does Earth, than it does Jupiter, than it does the sun. Right. A uh, black hole has a certain depth of its well, mm -hmm. and there is a star next to it that got a little too close. Mm -hmm. It begins to flay the star mm -hmm. layer by layer. It is, it's is—it's got to be uncomfortable yes. for the host star. It's skinning a star alive. Alive. Ugh. And that material spirals around in what we call an accretion disk, right. where the material accretes and gets fed down the hole, right. never to be seen again. When it eats the entire star eventually, then it will have the gravitational strength of the original black hole uh -huh. plus, plus the, the entire star. star. And so the black hole grew. Wow. Its event horizon is just that much bigger. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay, that is fascinating. And Lisa, that was an amazing question. And thank you for helping Chuck out. Yes. Like I said, he came in a short bus today. <laughs> 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 All right, this is Spencer Rogers, and Spencer says this, how do you make math sexy? I feel like popular scientists do a good job making science cool, but math, not so much. And you know what, Spencer's got a great point, because science is cool now, but still people, people will tell you they hate math in a second. No matter what. No matter no what. Matter, yeah, yeah. Even if you're a good teacher, they'll say, Okay, I enjoyed the class, but I still hate the math. Right. You know, right. in, in general, so it's one of the most hated subjects out there. Okay, and so I, I have a cop out answer for you. Okay, here it is. I would say that you demonstrate something else that required math, and that something else is so amazing, you want to figure out how it got figured out. Gotcha. And then you're forced to then embrace the math that's behind it. Okay. So I hoped I, I attempted that back when was it the Bengals? Who were they, they were playing in the football? And it was yeah, when, you, you, when you it's overtime. About the uh, field goal. The field goal. So the field goal gets kicked, and it hits off the left upright. This is an overtime, so it's a, a sudden death score. Right. And hits off the left upright and careens in for the win. Correct. And I looked at the, quickly, oh, wait a minute, looked at the orientation of the stadium. It was mostly north-south. I did a quick calculation and then I tweeted that the winning field goal was aided by a third of an inch deflection to the right from Earth's rotation. Right. And then people said, mind blown, oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah. It was made on ESPN and all yeah. this. Everybody was talking about it. I remember it. it. So my sense is if you love football and you love sudden death field goals and you know that Earth is rotating, you might say, one day I want to figure out how that works. And you're going to need math. You're going to need math. And then you will see the power of math. And because you have a separate goal in mind, the, that's what takes you through the math, the gut slogging that may be necessary. That's, that's my cop-out answer. But I think you can get a lot of people to embrace math when it no, when it empowers them to do other things, got to be relatable. That's cool. Hey, I got it. Since you brought that up, I'm sorry. I have to say that uh, you can hear more of that kind of science sports mashup on a little show called Playing with Science with a uh, former professional footballer Gary O'Reilly.
Bradley and uh, and yours truly, Chuck Nice. Footballer, that would be the UK, which the means it was soccer. Soccer player. Yeah, He's yeah. a professional soccer player. Professional soccer player. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sports, yes. Yeah. So we got a whole place to put our sports. Yes, we do. Does your mama know you playing with science? <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask you that every time. I love time. it. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back on Facebook Live in just a moment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. PXG.com slash StarTalk, code StarTalk. We're back, StarTalk, Office Hours Edition. 
I got Chuck Nice here tweeting at Chuck Nice Comic. That's right, sir. Thank That's you right. very much for that. Love your tweets. Thank you. Thank you. Love your tweets too. But you know, you, you just, only say that after I ever tell you that I love I, your tweets. I, I, don't, just, no, I, I don't have to tell you that I love your I tweets because seven million people freaking love your tweets along with me. It's nine point seven. But that's all right. That's, so, see, he doesn't really pay attention. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't dude, know, dude. That was awesome. By the way, all that, right. That's the way you do that's it. That's a crazy number too. I I keep thinking, do they know? Like I'm an astrophysicist. There's still like time to unfollow. You know. <laughs> well, no. That's, <laughs> this is like a mistake. That's great, man. Nine million people. And, I don't know. And and and, and you're excited. It's an nine, awesome responsibility. It is. You're exciting nine million people to get excited about science. Well, because I get I like I get excited about well, science. There's a whole that's thing. That's every tweet is. I try to. You catch my tweet today? Did you catch it? I did not. I haven't been on social See, media today. I, ev- more evidence. I have not been on social media today. Okay? I, okay, oh my God, I'll, I'll I paraphrase just, it. I feel like my son right now. I'm just like, son, is your homework done? What are you talking I just got home. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Go You're ahead. falling behind. <laughs> I, I'm not going to remember it exactly because the tweets are carefully worded. Something like, if the world were ever going to end cosmically, okay. I would give you plenty of notice to do nothing about it. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, there it is right oh, there. Did, did I get it right? right. Yeah. Uh, if the world were really going to end cosmically, I'd let you all know, and with plenty of time, to do nothing about it. That's, That's a great literal tweet. tweet yeah, because right guess what? Some things that don't make a difference. Don't make a difference. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. That's do you right. hear that, Mr. Anderson? That is the sound of inevitability. No, his voice is deeper than that. It, Mr. It, Anderson. Oh, that was pretty good. That is the sound of inevitability. Not bad. Okay. I like it. My name is Neo. Don't get me <laughs> quoting The Matrix, because I'm on every- I forgot that's one of your favorite movies. It is my, not one of, the favorite, my single favorite movie. Not Matrix 1, not 2 and no, 3. No, well, 2 and 3, two, come two, on. So I mean, forget it, about it. Then it, you, you would lose all credibility. For, forget about it. Yeah. Right, right, right. But Matrix 1 is like such a great I'm movie. all there. And yeah. don't get me in. And philosophically, we will so never great. stop. Yo, okay. So, so, do you know? Do you it, know? Just ahead. one day, we'll we'll do. Don't, don't, don't. Just don't. Uh, okay, let's do no, a Star Talk The ma- Matrix. Matrix edition. No, no, no. Because no, this is office hours. But on right. another time, I will tell you. I'll give you one example okay. of what's going on there. Okay? All right. All right. Um, do you know that uh, in a Catholic church, there are the Stations of the Cross that are, but it's basically before there were movies, you would follow a sequence of drawings that portrayed a sequence of events. Okay. And in a Catholic church, it sounds like you've never been in a Catholic church. Um, you're right. Okay. Just check one out. They're interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there are these, every Catholic church has the Stations of the Cross. There's okay. like 14 or 15 of them. Okay. Right. Around right. it starts and it's everything related to... The, the, the key events in Jesus' life. Okay. Okay, where he's carrying the cross. He gets nailed on the cross. Okay. He dies on the cross. Right. He's pulled down from the cross. Right. Okay, all of this. Stabbed on the cross. It's basically, it's a Everything. movie. Right. It's basically a movie. Okay. Okay, before we had movies. Well, when Neo dies. Okay. When Neo dies. Okay. Okay, how does he die? Well, 14 bullets are shot into him. And only after that does he rise from the dead. Ooh. And Neo is an anagram of one. He's the one. He's the one. The one. But, uh, uh, which is a very, uh, is an archetype of the of a savior or the savior. This is, that was kind of my whole point of what I just said. Well, you ain't got to make just me feel that out? about it. Come Did on. I'm <laughs> figuring some stuff out, man. Okay. God. <laughs> 
<laughs> and also, when he's awoken, awaken when he's uh, uh, by the knocking on the door. Yes, and this is when he follows the white rabbit by the woman with the tattoo on her arm. Yes, uh, when he hands them the the code that he had broken, whatever, right, and, right. and the exchange for the money. That what does the guy say to him? They said, "Oh, you're my savior. You're my regular Jesus Christ." He does say, yeah. "Yes, he does." Uh, so, so Super all cool. these references are throughout the movie. Nice movie goes. It's all right, deep. it's deep. Okay, all right, we're gonna have to do a uh, Star Talk Matrix. That's that's I would love Matrix that. edition. Yeah, all Matrix right. edition. Okay, here we go. Um, let's go back to our cosmic queries of the universe from Facebook Live. We have Warren McDonald who says, "Does the night sky look clearer on cold nights than warm nights? <clears throat> Is there a warm air distortion?" Now, I have heard that. Cold nights give you the crisp, clear view of the sky. Now I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah, so there, there's it's mostly true for, a, but maybe not for the reasons you're thinking. Okay. All right. So where are the warmer places in the world? Well, the desert gets warm. Yes. Okay, but at night, deserts very get cold. very cold. Very cold. All right. Now, why does that happen? Because water vapor is a greenhouse gas. Uh -huh. Water is a greenhouse gas. Mm -hmm. So if you have a moist air on a hot day and it stays moist at night, the heat, the, the ground that heated during the day cannot radiate back to space and it stays it stays that way, okay? Wow. Well, you just, that's, yo, it's that's why, climate change right there, people. Well, wait, wait, it's, well, it's, well, except there's a fixed amount of water. It, well, of you, course. You can add to this by having, evaporating more ocean and that exacerbates right, the, right, the, yeah. the, 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 the greenhouse effect. But, but okay. I'm saying, so it's why in deserts, the temperature drops so precipitously, right? Because nothing gets trapped; it all just escapes. Okay, gotcha. uh, all the heat escapes. Yeah, yeah. So now, so deserts. We put all of our telescopes in deserts because it hardly ever rains, and okay. so you don't want clouds in the way, right? Because rain comes out of clouds. Yeah. Okay? So <laughs> kind of hard to see through clouds, right? Now you go to the tropics where it's sort of moist mm -hmm. and hot and moist. The moisture in the air actually interferes with your observing. Oh. So you could have a hot, dry climate, and your uh, your observing would be just as fine as if it were cold, dry climate. Okay. Okay? But when it's not dry, that's where you're looking through water vapor and things, and it's never good. Gotcha. It's never good. There you go, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the, so that's why your view of the night sky on, an, on a shoreline is generally not as good as if you were on a mountaintop or in a desert. That, that's why. People say, let's go to the beach and see the sky. Right. If you can go... Inland, go inland. Right. Otherwise, you'll get like sea mist and this sort of thing. Yeah. That'll yeah. just interfere with your view. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So, William. Uh, oh, what else happened? Sorry. Uh -oh, good. I'm no, still going here. No, I like and that. And what often I'm... happens is if it's stormy and then the storm blows away. Right. And it goes off to some other place or right. it peters out. Typically, it does so because a high pressure system comes in. And a high pressure system doesn't have moisture. Right. And then it's a crisp blue sky yeah and you got beautiful weather and that's we people love themselves some high pressure systems because you don't think of them that way you just think of it as a sunny cloudless day right but that's exactly what they are perfect for yeah. viewing the cosmos and it's a high pressure which means if you're a cloud you go in the opposite direction of the high pressure right because you're responding to which direction the pressure points you hmm. Okay. Exactly. So it's a high pressure place that is pushing against you towards the low pressure place. And all the clouds gather at the low pressure place. Because they're pussies. <laughs> this is why you get storms. <laughs> it is why hurricanes 
are deep, low pressure places. Exactly. It's all the cl- it's a jambor a cloud jamboree. Yeah, they got pushed there by the surrounding high pressure. And that's so funny you say that because um, when you get these really lingering storms, mm-hmm. it's often a high pressure system that's keeping them in place. Yes, yes. And then eventually you hope it, it'll push it out. But right. yeah, generally a high pressure system wins over a low, a low pressure, pressure system. system. Yeah. yeah, you don't. You generally don't have a high pressure system overrun by a low pressure system. Generally, cool. Yeah. All right. So let's go to William Vissel, who wants to know this. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us laymen don't know, and we are baffled by science. Hmm. Okay. But he says, what baffles or is hard for you to grasp? Oh, okay. Good question. So first of all, uh, you're not as baffled as you think because science is everywhere. You're, you you spoke of science like it's some edifice, like it's some thing, some place, where if you step inside, then you got to learn science, and you step outside, then you can ignore it. No, science is everywhere. Mm. It is where you walk. Can't it is away. where you sleep. It is where you are awake. I have a very specific, specific set of skills. <laughs> I am science. I will find you. It'll find you. I no will find you. <laughs> so, so, and that's one of the things we try to do on Star Talk especially playing with science, uh, Chuck and, and Gary's show, is to demonstrate all the places that science touches us right. and influences how you should think about your next decision and the like. So, show, me, show me on the doll where the science touched you. <laughs> where did that come from? I don't what? know. I don't know. Touched I have by a science. problem. I was touched by science. Uh, so... So for me, to the scientist, we are baffled by things that baffle all scientists, the things that are not yet answered. Because anything else in principle, it's my duty to then learn. If I don't know it yet, but it is known, I got to learn that. Right. All right? Right. As a PhD scientist, your task is not to wander in the forest of what is known, is to find the edge between what is known and unknown and stick a foot out into that zone. Nice. But consider that as the area of your knowledge grows, right. so too does the perimeter of your ignorance. Yes. Ooh. Oh, that's great. So uh, so the scientists will go to that edge. And for me, my top three, top three mysteries are, I want to know what dark matter is. Mm-hmm. It accounts for 85% of the gravity of the universe, and we don't know where it's coming from. It's not black holes. It's not comets. It's not planets, stars, gas clouds, galaxies. We don't know where it's coming from. Mystery number one. Mystery number two. The universe is accelerating in its expansion by some mysterious pressure operating in the vacuum of space. We can measure it. We don't know where that's coming from either. That's two. Wow. Okay. So the first mystery dates from the 1930s. The second mystery... Dates from the 1990s. Okay. And there's a third mystery that's been with us forever. I want to know how we went from organic molecules to self-replicating life Ooh, in early Earth. That's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so those these are baffling mysteries By the way, that, that would, on the frontier. That would be the kind of meaning of life, wouldn't it? If you... It would be the origin of life. I don't know if it would be the meaning of life. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, can... One is philosophical. The other yeah. is, is more technical and biological. Yeah, plus meaning. I think meaning, we create meaning in our lives. Right. There are people who search for it, mm-hmm. like it's behind a tree or under a rock. Right. And I'm looking for the meaning in life. But you actually have the power to create meaning within you. 
Well, you can make you can create meaning by lessening the suffering of others, Ooh. or by learning something today that you didn't know yesterday. You, you these things are what add value. That maybe that's a value judgment for me to even assert that, but for me, it adds value to my life, and it is from that value that I derive meaning. Man, this is a super, super philosophical show today. I love it. And by the way, that's a that is a a, a great statement in terms of uh, what creates meaning in life because. Uh, a lot of people, when you say you search for that meaning, when they search for it externally, then they have to find this. They have to find something to tell them what the value is, right? Or the meaning, or is. the meaning, and, is. and maybe that that works for people. But right. most people who even pose the question are in the act of searching for meaning themselves. And I would claim that once you realize the power you have over your own life or the power you have over the lives of others, positive power, let's think of it that way, okay. then you stop looking for meaning and you begin to create it. Nice. All right. Good stuff. And William, that was, uh, first of all, a great question. So I love the answer too. And let me let me speak for Bill Gates, even though, I, I who, who, why should I? Do I even have the right to? Uh, let me tell you something. <laughs> of the two of you, I'd rather you speak for him all the time, to be honest. I don't know if you've spent any time with this guy, but he is not the most exciting speaker. Well, okay. Oh, he's the patron saint of the geekosphere, right? So, he really is. All right, all right. Yeah. So what he decided to do with his gazillions was find problems in the world that are solvable right and if they can be solved with money and then solve them and you put a check in that box right okay right. done right. done done uh president carter had the same mission there is a disease yeah. called the guinea worm the guinea worm there's a parasite yes it called is. the guinea worm that and only painful. attacks human beings yes no other mammal in the world does this thing attack Okay, and it gets in your bloodstream. Yeah, and it oh, it's ooh, oh, it's, it's nasty. It, oh, it's nasty, and it grows to uh, a, a pretty Huge significant length. length. Right, correct, and correct. And then it exits your body through your foot. Right. Oh, yeah. No, it's nasty. Through sores in your sores in your foot. Right. And in fact, it is it is suspected that the is it the caduceus, the thing with the, the yes, the, with the twirling of the stick the, around the the serpent the snake, and the, the snake, the, the, the serpent twirling around the staff. Is, is a guinea by worm. some by some accounts of history mm -hmm. a representation of the guinea worm because the way you would remove the guinea worm it would would show its head right. through a sore right and then you sort of wrap it around a stick and you just tug keep doing on that. it gently don't tug right. on it hard because you don't want to break you don't want a broken guinea worm either. <laughs> no, right. oh man <laughs> so you keep tugging on it and you keep wrapping it around right. until the entire worm is removed so if you can if you can cure that right then you can and People get it from other people in in water holes. Right. So if you can rid the world of the guinea worm, right. then it will never come back, and you're done. So this is a solvable problem. Right. Talk about creating meaning in life. Yeah. In in, in not only your life for doing good for others, but in the life of others who are the rec receivers of that goodwill. Yeah. Yeah. That is that's so true. You got it. So right. go out and do something good, people. That's what we're saying. You know, find meaning in your life. Okay. Make meaning in your life. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So we'll take another quick break. When we come back, more of Star Talk Office Hours. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We'll check nice. Come. Chuck, we're back. Yes, we are. Star Talk. Star Talk Office Hours. Office Hours. And we've got your queries the here. The doctor's in. Yes, sir. Um, 
Okay, let's move on to... I don't like calling myself doctor. Did I tell you why? Uh, why? Because it implies that you should believe me because I carry these titles. Why else would I believe you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no oh, you yeah. might believe me because my argument was sufficiently compelling that you needn't ask well, what no, pedigree I carry with me. But see, some people make a, a cogent argument, and that is fine, and I can understand, okay, it's like that was convincing. And then other people, I'm like, you know... Uh, okay, what I'm really saying is this. A lot of times doctors will make that convincing, compelling argument because they are doctors, because they have done the work I get and that. the research. I get that. I'm just saying just because someone has degrees after their name or before their name does not mean that everything that they will say is true or has makes sense. Like or- Dr. Phil. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. How, how's that working out for you? <laughs> I, don't I, I don't know. I don't know. How's that working out for you? Keep doing the same thing over and over again, and you're expecting different results. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I, I, by not leading with my degrees, it means I have to be more compelling in my arguments because I want my arguments to be what is convincing to you, not you to say, oh, this is true because Tyson said so. If that's why you think it's true, then I failed as an educator. That's all I want to say. Right, I want you to take ownership of the knowledge that has passed between us. Well, all educators feel that way. I mean, I grew up with a mother who was an English teacher, and basically her thing was, if you believe it because I tell you, right. well, then I've done you a disservice. Yes, correct. Go find out for yourself that's from argument, several different sources. Argument from authority right. is like argument, not, exactly. not how discoveries happen. As a matter of fact, she would go one step further and say, you should be questioning that authority. Yes. And because that's how you get to true discovery, yes. is questioning that authority. Mm-hmm. But that being said- Oh, the modern version of that is bringing true to power bringing truth to power that's right? the modern translation of that absolutely yeah, yeah. however with that being said i will ask you this have you met you because quite frankly you're neil degrasse tyson and when you say something people are going to be like oh yeah right i believe that guy well no but i try to give them enough information so that they can because here it is it's like if they just listen oh, oh i didn't know that okay i guess that's true that's one kind of reaction the other one is okay. whoa I never thought about it that way. I, well, yeah. And then you turn around and go tell someone else. Okay. That's, that's enlightenment. That's learning. Right. That's, you just took ownership of that bit of information right there. I agree. Okay. Uh, And that happens to me quite a bit. That's the reason why I do this job. Okay. No, I'm dead serious. (laughs) Like I will, people often say like, dude, I watch you like freak out with Neil. And it's because I've, I've learned something, and now what I have to do is go research it because- Go ahead. Right. Go, go, go. Be- because my mother would kill me <laughs> if I just took your word for no, it. That's fine. That's fine. But now you are compelled to want to learn more about it, and then, then my job is done. I can go home and go to the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't want to learn something. I want to go to the Bahamas. <laughs> okay, here right. we go. Well, right people, this is office hours. Yes, sir. And we are- uh, Facebook Live. Yes, go. sir. Here we go. This is Barbara Brian Boyd. Thank you, Barbara, not only for the alliteration, but for the simplicity of your name. <laughs> uh, I have a question that I've wanted to ask you for some time. Since the moon is slowly drifting away, when will it get to the point that is so far away from Earth that it can no longer affect tides? What exactly will happen? Oh, okay. So, so, so first, some people might not have known that the moon is spiraling away from Earth several inches a year. Don't leave me. <laughs> Come on, girl. Don't no. leave me. 
you need that disco song. Don't leave me this way. Yes. <laughs> well, who is it? Gloria Gaynor. Yeah, that you need was. that. Okay. So, so the, the moon is spiraling away several, about five centimeters a year. So what is it? Two or three inches. And so every year it's two or three inches farther from Earth than the year before. Okay. Okay. Now, what? Not only that, the moon is trying to slow down Earth's rotation. Okay. And it is succeeding at this. We, instead of redefining the length of a second, what we do is we add leap seconds whenever necessary. And ever since 1972, when we figured out the moon was slowing down Earth, we've added 25 or so leap seconds since then. Sweet. Yeah, at the end of each year. Uh, sometimes you can add them in the, at the end of June, depending on if you needed two that year or one. Uh, so that's a measurement we make about the rate at which we're slowing down. And we're slowing down primarily. There are many reasons how we can slow down. It includes earthquakes, shifting continental plates, wow. changing what's called the rotational moment of inertia of earth wow. if you shift plates it's kind of like a a, a a skater bringing their arms in or out mm. that'll just change their rotation rate gotcha it's a spinning skater right if you have continental plates abruptly shifting mm -hmm. that's tantamount to sh moving your arms in and out oh. and it'll it can instantly change the rotation rate of the earth so you factor all this in so one of the major drivers is the ocean ocean tides sloshing back and forth on the on the shores right especially on the continental shelves. So that's slowing down our rotation. All right. The result of all of this is the moon has slowed down Earth such that we only show one face to the moon. Okay. Just as we have already slowed down the rotation of the moon so that it only shows one face to us. Okay. That's why we always see the same side of the moon. There's a near side and there's a far side. Right. And you only ever see, see the near side. That's it. That's it. There, there's no dark side, by the way. All sides get light. A day on the moon lasts a month, so all sides get, get light. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know if you knew that. I know. I just thought it was- I, It's taken me decades since- I thought the force was strong with the Earth. That's all. <laughs> That's why there's no dark side. So yeah. eventually, both Earth and the moon will show the same face to one another, and all tidal forces will cease at that point. Wow. That is the lowest energy state of a two-body system, is when both sides face one another. And that'll ha if you can calculate that up, that'll take more time than the life expectancy of the sun. Okay, so, so. so she shouldn't. She has there are more pressing issues. Yeah, <laughs> to worry about other priorities. Other there, other priorities. Other priorities. But the moon will be significantly farther away when that happens, and gone will be total solar eclipses. So with that in mind, um, will our sun? Nova, or will our sun will it explode or collapse? The what sun kind of will sun? the sun will die not in an explosion, but as a whimpering <laughs> no. white dwarf. Right. So what will happen is it'll enter this phase that we call the red giant phase, right? Where it becomes red right? and really big, right? Red giant phase. The red giant phase. That's how we call it. I just like the way that you guys make it very plain. We, we what we, you're talking about? We call it as we see it, right. like the umpires. So uh, the sun. So will, the red. What's, what's will be, the red? Well, because it cools the down. sun's white. Yeah, the sun is white hot. Right. In the future, it will cool down and to a lower temperature and become red hot. Gotcha. And red hot is a cooler temperature than white hot. Right. And even hotter than white hot is blue hot. So that's how that goes. Oh, yo, baby. I like that. Well, I'm... so that's that's in astrophysically, right? Right, right. To the artist, it's the opposite. Right. Right? It's, yeah. Yeah. You want to be white hot if you're an artist. Well, no. Or red hot, really. You <laughs> no, want to no. be red hot. Yeah, you want, you want to convey heat in, right. with in illustrations yeah, you do exactly. it with red. Right. And cold, you, you would use blue. Right. So I wrote a poem about this. Uh-oh. 
Yo, hold on. Long ago. Wait, we got to hear this. Okay, ready? Can you do it like Sonia Sanchez, though? Just like, you know, I am Neil deGrasse Tyson. (laughs) All right. On canvas with paint in the artist's school, it is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as a star grows hotter, it begins to grow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more. What is in sight? Behold, the star has turned bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. Sweet. I like it. Yeah. It's a good poem. I, well, so it's a rhyme. It's, it's a rhyme. It's still a poem. But it's kind of it had some lame parts in the middle there. But, yeah, but I, I get the point. Hey, of let me tell you something. It's a hell of a lot better than most rap music today. <laughs> I'll let you know that right now. Yep. Have you heard this crap? Oh, my God. They don't even speak English anymore. <laughs> but at least the syllables rhyme with one another. Uh, yeah. <laughs> However, I want to, I want to, I want to get that and 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 put some jazz music under it. It sounds very jazz like. Oh, on artist with paint, uh, no, on canvas with paint in the artist school. Yeah. It is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science, we show as the heat goes higher, a star glows red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more, and what is in sight? Behold, it's turned bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither white nor red. And the star has turned blue. Snaps. Snaps, everybody. <laughs> Snaps. Snaps. You just got a double reading of my poem. I did it correctly the second time. Yeah. Compared to the first time. But yeah. anyhow. I'm going to so, take that and put some music under Throw it up on Star Talk All Access. <laughs> Damn right. So now why was we, we even going there? What, I forgot the question. Oh, oh so we're talking so about the death the of our sun, star. The our sun, sun will enter a red giant phase where it, become, it becomes bloated. Very low density gas and bloated. And it is really, and, and it cools down to about 3,000 degrees. We're about 6,000 degrees now. It'll become so large it will engulf the entire orbits of Mercury and Venus and Earth. And Earth will be a charred ember ready to vaporize as it descends into the star's surface. Wow. Have a nice day. (laughs) Tell that to the kids tonight. But so did I answer the question? What was the question? No, that was my question. No, oh, what was her? What was the woman's question? Her, her question. The illiterate woman's tides, question. <laughs> the, 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 her, her oh. was what will exactly happen? Earth will vaporize uh, uh, before uh, we become double tidally locked with the moon. Right. And I used to wrestle, and I wanted to invent a new move called the double tidal lock. The double tidal. Yeah, lock. and I had some preliminary. That means you would have first to invent the tidal lock. Uh, no, no, no. Then how did you double it? <laughs> <laughs> so the double lock is you lock one facing you and the other one faces you as well. By the way, Pluto and his moon Sharon are double tidally locked. Oh. They face one another so as, they just... in their eternal dance. Nice. Right, right. So so I so I try and so what happens is you lock up your arms facing face to face. Okay. And I spin you down to the mat. So we rotate together. While facing, while one, facing another. one another, and you take the guy down. I take the guy down, and then they're pinned. You just broke my arms. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. No, I'm too small. You're feeling it. Yeah, I'm, all right. I'm outside. Of, I'm outside. Of, I'm too too far. Not in. my weight class. That's what I'm saying. All right, all right. Let's go to uh, Francis Wolfgang Urban. Go on. Okay, here we go. How much time? We how much time? We oh, we only have two one, minutes left in the whole much, show. Two minutes left. Okay, go. Okay, all go. right. Uh, Okay. Two minutes, people. Francis Wolfgang Urban says this. Do you think I love people we'll, named Wolfgang? Yes. Uh, do you think we'll eventually be able to travel via wormhole? Oh, I, I that for me, that's the future of getting around the galaxy. Without that, 
uh, our human physiology is hopelessly mismatched with the time it will take to travel among the stars. Okay. The fastest thing we ever launch will take 70,000 years to reach the nearest star. You are long dead before that happens. Oh. And in my field, so if you do a no science choice. experiment, the first rule is it's got to be done before you die. <laughs> so so you, we're going to need wormholes if we're going to go anywhere. So that's what I, that's my next favorite thing I hope somebody invents. Okay, okay. great. Next one, quick, great. one more. Right, go. Here we go. Let's see. Go. Oh, I love this one. Adrian Gray Marsden Last says question. this. Go. Hey, Neil, what's your favorite wine of choice? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And I'm going to put the computer down Ooh. now, and I'm going to write down what you say. Lately, I've been leaning Burgundy. Ooh, Burgundy. Burgundy. One day, we'll do a whole show on the science of wine. I'll yeah. tell you why. I'd Because Burgundy figured out how to perfect the middle. Mm. In America, if a little bit of something is good, we tend to think more of it is better. All right. But- then you learn as your sense of the world matures right. that it takes much more talent to balance all elements in the middle. Mm -hmm. That takes talent, whereas shoving more into something that was good in small quantities, expecting it to be great in great quantities, you can blow out what made it great in the first place. So Burgundy at its best has perfected the middle. Gotcha. It is very middle. Highly balanced. Imagine going to Starbucks and said, I want very medium. They won't even know how to reply to that. That's not how our brains are wired here in America. This America, give me the biggest possible. We have, we have stuff. We have drinks you bring into your car that are so large that they don't fit the cup holder. They, they, they have to squeeze down the bottom part of the shape to fit in the cup holder. Right. While the half gallon of liquid is sloshing around in the neck. So all I'm saying. So I lean Burgundy. I lean red Burgundy. The Von Romanay section of Burgundy. Devon Romanet. Von Romanet. Oh, Von Romanet. There are many vineyards there. Mm -hmm. I'll take them all. Give them to me. All right. Yeah. And especially recent vintages, 2015, uh, 2009 was beautiful, 2010. Yeah. And 2005 in recent years, if you can find them. They're beautiful. But Burgundy is like expensive. You know, you got to like- Okay, you just lost me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chuck, we'll try, Chuck, we'll try to raise raise your salary this year so you can. Yeah, because I was going to say this sounds awesome, and then you were just like, "But they're expensive." I'm like, "And yeah. I hate Burgundy." Yeah, they come out high on that on that list. Well, we we ran out of time. Right. Facebook Live, thanks for joining us, Chuck. Nice comic, always good to have you. Always a pleasure to be uh, here, man. As, as my co-host, I'm I've been your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, on Office Hours Star Talk. As always, I bid you. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.